What's your name? Andrew Naiman, sir. What year are you? I'm a first year. You know who I am? Yes, sir. So you know I'm looking for players? Yes, sir. Then why did you stop playing? The mentor-mentee relationship is one that's been explored in many a story before. There's the beginner who, filled with a naivete and innocence, but also internally motivated ambition, hopes to reach heights once thought to be unattainable. And then there's the master who holds the keys to their future success and progress, pushing that button pupil to great lengths to achieve that which is so desperately coveted by many. Eternal greatness. But how much is that success really worth? Whiplash follows Andrew Neiman, a first-year student at Schaefer Conservatory, a prestigious music organization in New York City, fueled by lifelong aspirations of becoming someone akin to a Buddy Rich, one of his childhood idols and famous jazz drummer. He catches the eyes and ears of one Terrence Fletcher, the jazz studio band leader at Schaefer, who employs rather unorthodox teaching methods, to say the least. This initially doesn't sway Neiman, eager to take the next step in his musical career, but upon invitation to Fletcher's band, Andrew quickly becomes made privy to the commandeering way Fletcher demands respects from the likes of his students, through a culture built on the basis of fear and psychological abuse, one that manifests itself in physical, verbal, and emotional forms. He will build up a student in one breath, only to destroy them mercilessly in the next. In other words, his class isn't for the faint of heart, or the weak-willed for that matter. And he has no issues shattering students' mental or destroying their confidence in their own abilities as some form of separating the wheat from the chaff, weeding out those with true musical talent in his eyes from those he deems effectively... There's no fucking Mars bar down there. What are you looking at? Look up here. Look at me. Do you think you're out of tune? Yes. Then why the fuck didn't you say so? I've carried your fat ass for too long, Matt, so I'm not going to have you cost us a competition because your mind's on a fucking happy meal instead of on pitch. Jackson, congratulations, you're fourth chair. Matt, why are you still sitting there? Get the fuck out! It's within Fletcher that Andrew sees someone who is both a father figure to him and an arch nemesis. Someone to, in some ways, look up to, but also someone who can unlock a thicker skin within himself. Throughout the early parts of the film, Andrew is characterized as being a softer, more sensitive individual, not entirely confident in his skills both on a musical and interpersonal relationship level. We see him struggle to explain the extent of his musical career goals with his father, and we witness him initially fail at pursuing romantic interests as well. But after a few short weeks spent in the midst of Fletcher, in the aftermath of suffering the full extent of brutal band exercises and more than choice words from an equally as brutal professor, Andrew changes, fueled by a newfound confidence, beginning to move to the beat of his own drum.
Why do you suppose I just hurled a chair at your head, Neiman? I, I don't know. Sure you do. The tempo? Were you rushing or were you dragging? I, I don't know. Start counting. Five, six, seven. In four, damn it! Look at me! One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Now, was I rushing or was I dragging? Uh-huh. Count again. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Rushing or dragging? Rushing. So you do know the difference! If you deliberately sabotage my band, I will fuck you like a pig. Now, are you a rusher or are you a dragger? Or are you going to be on my fucking time? I'm going to be on your time. This mental fortitude, however, comes at a cost. Which is to say, Fletcher isn't a flawed mentor, and he isn't a professor that means well, but whose unorthodox methods are simply being misunderstood by the likes of his students. He is, unequivocally, a despicable, awful person whose long-lasting forms of manipulation and abuse in the pursuit of perfection knows no moral or ethical bounds, pushing the young adults under his tutelage to their mental breaking points, employing teaching practices that literally drive students to suicide while continuing to lie about the cause of death to others, his controlling nature on display as he puts people in direct animus competition with one another in order to bring the best out of his true stars, the ones he deems truly worthy of his tutelage, all wrapped under the mystique of his truly unforgiving nature. He is a selfish individual, hell-bent on elevating his own status as a prestigious band director far more than caring about the health or safety of his students or what sacrifices they make for the sake of success, so long as they make them. I told you that story about how Charlie Parker became Charlie Parker, right? Joe Jones threw a symbol at his head. Exactly. Parker's a young kid, pretty good on the sax, gets up to play at a cutting session, and he fucks it up. And Jones nearly decapitates him for it. And he's laughed off stage. Cries himself to sleep that night. But the next morning, what does he do? He practices. And he practices and he practices with one goal in mind. Never to be laughed at again. And a year later, he goes back to the Reno. And he steps up on that stage and he plays the best motherfucking solo the world has ever heard. So imagine if Jones had just said, well, that's okay, Charlie, that was all right, good job. And Charlie thinks to himself, well, shit, I did do a pretty good job. End of story. No bird. That to me is an absolute tragedy. But that's just what the world wants now. I wonder why jazz is dying. In a way, I think we have a distorted view of individual success as a society, one that is often informed by our relationship to pain and suffering on a broader scale. News stories about personal turmoil and destructive circumstances turn into feel-good stories about the nature of perseverance and hard work, a framework that denies the central truth about life, success, opportunity, and tragedy, that they're all made unequal. And when it comes to art, the abuse one suffers in any form due to pressure isn't something that should necessarily be heralded. 
no matter our relationship to that final product. These pressures can come from a ton of external stimuli, not just an overbearing master who is abusive, but a society that is abusive as well, turning one's ambition to pain, turning one's pain to profit. A cyclical system of abuse that stretches all the way from young impressionable athletes in high school to the world's biggest stage of competitors, professional achievements, and even jazz band drummers. I don't think it's necessary to suffer in order to make profound art. I think it's an old-school way of thinking that excuses psychological abuse employed by the likes of Fletcher as being one step removed from genius. At its core, it's a systemic problem, born of the culture cultivated by the idea that a single success excuses the brunt of tragedy endured by the many, unwilling to risk truly destroying themselves all for the sake of someone else's art. It's a brutal, unconscionable thing to ask of anyone, especially so young. Art can be a delicate, tricky thing, and receiving universal praise and adoration for one's art is another beast entirely. The forceful push and pull between appeasing others and appeasing ourselves can not only stymie personal growth, but can cause one to lose sight of the reason they sought out to achieve those goals in the first place. We don't do it for an unforgiving mentor, or an abusive central figure, or a society that values pain in the pursuit of perfection. We do it to find a part of ourselves, whether it be in a rhythmic drum break or something else entirely. Knowing full well that no matter whether you lead a life by one's own accord, or in accordance with others, it can all turn from fortune to tragedy in an instant. Mind Theater is a solo effort produced and written by me, A.O. Akingbade. For updates on the show, as well as my other content, follow Mind Theater Pod on Twitter and Instagram. If you want to show monetary support, the Kofi link is in the show notes. Thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time.